the absolute highest possible achievement that can come to a human life is bringing a soul to Jesus Christ. The greatest thing that one human being can do for another is to bring that person to Jesus. Before He ascended back to the Father in heaven, Jesus said that we would be witnesses to Him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The church of the first century turned the world upside down for Jesus. The church of the first century was accused of literally filling Jerusalem with their doctrine. And that wasn't a statement made by some preacher in the church bulletin. That was a statement made by the Sanhedrin, the avowed enemy of the church. They said, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. The church of the first century shook the Roman Empire to its very roots and its very foundation. It was a pagan, selfish, sodden, rotten empire. And yet, in one short generation, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ had been kindled in every part of that domain. How did they do it? They didn't have a printing press. They didn't have television or radio. They didn't have a PA system. They didn't have the Internet, they didn't have cell phones. They did it one person at a time. And they didn't do it through mass door knocking campaigns. They did it through relationships. Relationships one man or one woman had with another man or another woman. They allowed the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be evident in their own lives. And they developed relationships with people that did not know Jesus Christ. And men and women and children who loved Jesus in the first century talked to their friends about Jesus Christ. Beloved, every Christian, no matter how humble, no matter their level of training or education, every Christian on the footstool of God Almighty today can bring someone else to Jesus. Our text in John chapter 1 and verse 42 tells of a man who brought someone else to Jesus. It actually says in verse 41, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and says unto him, We found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. You see, that's the case of an ordinary man. Someone like me and you. 
This man that we read about in John 1, 42, that's not Paul, the great preacher and the apostle. It's not the gifted Apollos that wowed listeners everywhere he went to preach with his eloquence. It's just an ordinary, garden-variety, everyday, commonplace man like us. Andrew has found Jesus Christ. And the first thing he does, he goes to his brother, Simon. Rash, headstrong, impulsive Simon. As soon as Andrew met Jesus, he went out to do his very first work for the Lord. And he went after a very difficult subject right there at the first. He went after his own brother. And he brought him to Jesus. What Andrew does in our text, folks, that magnifies the place and it magnifies the power of relationships in winning the loss to Jesus Christ. There is and there can be no substitute for personal labor in winning the loss to Christ. Jesus is depending upon us, His friends to make the gospel known to the lost of this world. And there is no substitute for each and every follower of Jesus Christ working among their own friends and their own acquaintances to bring them to the Lord. It seems sometimes that everyone understands the value of relationships and personal relationships much more than we do sometimes in the church. Businessmen understand the power of personal contact. They send their salesmen up and down the land calling on customers. Political parties understand the power of people working among their friends and their neighbors. They have their block campaigns and they have their foot soldiers canvass neighborhoods on behalf of their particular candidate. Write this down. It's on the final exam. A church is nothing better than an ethical club or a service organization if its sympathies for lost souls do not overflow and it does not seek to point to lost souls the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, I know, in this world of ours, we come in contact with so many people that we feel sometimes overwhelmed. And we feel like we can't possibly relate to everyone. And it's true, we can't. But since we feel overwhelmed and we can't relate to everyone, often we're tempted that we relate to no one. 
or if we're going to reach the lost, over the years we've been given access to limited models or limited ways. Well, hey, let's all get together and do a door-knocking campaign and go knock on the doors of total strangers. Or let's put a projector under one arm and a bunch of film strips on the other arm and let's go out and start showing film strips. Or let's have a mass phone calling campaign. And that's not to say that some of those methods have not worked well in the past for some. But there can be no long-lasting effects if those are the only options that are given to people. We need to win the loss to Christ. But to do that, we must have a love for God's Word in our hearts. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. That means the Word of God is to be proclaimed. We're to tell people about Jesus Christ and not mince words when we do it. We've got to be bold as Peter was when he stood up on the day of Pentecost. And oftentimes we act as if we're ashamed of the Gospel. Or we're ashamed of the Lord, or we're ashamed of the church, or we're ashamed of our brothers and sisters. But Paul would write in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. Why not, Paul? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But we need to not just have a passion for the Word of God in our hearts. We must have a passion and a love and a dedication to Jesus Christ in our lives that others can see. We find it often so easy to talk to strangers and friends about so many things. You may not be aware of this, but in 11 weeks... The Texas Longhorns are going to open the 2015 football season playing Notre Dame. And I find it easy to talk to people about that. And we find it easy to talk to people about the fact that the Astros are leading in the American League West. It proves the age of miracles has not ceased. We find it easy to talk to people about golf and tennis and basketball and baseball and football. We can talk about fishing. We can be in line with a total stranger at the store and manage to strike up a conversation about whether or not the fish are biting or who we think is going to win the World Series. We can talk to someone about, do you, have a, do you know anybody that's got a good recipe for chili? What do you think about all the Republicans there are running for president this, this time around? Wasn't it bad and horrible, the shooting that took place in, in Charleston? Have you ever seen the Red River as high as it is over in Shreveport? How much rain did you get? We can talk to people about all kinds of things. You may have talked to someone recently about what their opinion is on the assault on religion in America. 
Maybe you've asked what, what people's opinion might be on the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage that's sitting before them right now. Or do you think the Freedom From Religion Foundation people get in other people's business more than they should? Well, you know, when we talk to folks about the shooting in Charleston or about the Freedom From Religion, a natural way to go might be, by the way, where do you go to church? And the conversation can go on from that point. I don't, I don't need to see hands. Did you ever invite somebody to go to lunch with you? Did you ever invite somebody to go to a sporting event of some kind with you? Did you ever say to somebody, hey, let's go to the ball game together. I'll come by and pick you up. Hey, let's go have lunch. I'll come by and get you. Why is it we find it so easy to ask people to come and have lunch with us or to meet us to go to a ball game with us or a sporting event or a rodeo or whatever we're going to? And we find it so hard to invite folks to come to church with us. And why is it we can offer to pick people up to go to lunch or to go to dinner or we can pick people up to go to some other event, to the show or to a concert, but we don't invite we offer to say, well, I'll come by and get you and bring you to church with us. We have to be willing to share our faith. We need to make a clear identification to people that we're Christians. And we have to live in such a way that people are aware of our faith. And in daily conversations, we can interject our beliefs on the events of the day that are based on God's Word. And we must not be hesitant and we must not be reticent to speak of the special benefits and the special blessings that we have of being Christians. Beloved, there is no power to win souls like the power of personal love. Do we care? Do we care that there are people around us that are lost? And people that are dying in sin? Are there people in Center and Shelby County that would say to us, No man careth for my soul. Do we believe, really down deep inside, do we really believe that heaven and hell are real places for real people? Does it matter to me personally that some folks are going to be lost because I never mentioned Jesus to them? Do we love the people around us enough to ask them, is it well with your soul? There is no power in human life like the power of love. 
I remember reading one time about a little boy about nine or ten years old who was dying. His father was a ne'er-do-well, a man that was drunk more than he was sober. Some neighbors had been taking this little boy to Bible class and to worship. His father would never darken the door. This little boy, nine or ten years old, was laying there and he was dying and he called his daddy over to him and he says, Papa, when I'm gone, I want you to remember that I loved you even if you did get drunk. When everything else had failed, that brought that man to Jesus Christ. He had been criticized and he had been scolded when he drank. He had been railed on by good people when he got drunk. Because of his drinking, he had been pelted with harsh words. But a little boy said, Papa, I love you even if you do get drunk. And it brought him to Jesus Christ. When everything else had failed, love carried the day. When everything else fails, love works and it never fails. People do not need to know how knowledgeable we are about the Bible. People do not need to know how well we can win an argument about religion. They don't care how much we know. What people need to know is how much we care about them. And here's the big question for all of us. Do you love the lost souls of Center, Texas, and Shelby County? Then tell them. That song we sang just a moment ago is one of the saddest songs I know. You never mentioned Him to me. How will it be for us when we stand before God in judgment and we see those that we've known and those that we've loved standing there before God and as they're turned away by God, they look at us and they say, you never mentioned Him to me. Like Andrew, we must do our very best to win lost souls. I've wondered oftentimes what argument I might could use or what persuasion I could use to see that we could see this as we've never seen it before. Maybe I could talk about duty. Robert E. Lee once said to his son, he said, Son, the great word is duty. So maybe we could talk about duty. Because our duty, mine and yours, primal, fundamental, preeminent and urgent, is that we tell others about Jesus Christ. Or maybe I could talk about happiness. You remember that time when you first became a Christian? What it felt like, the exhilaration when you first put the Lord on in baptism. 
And how you could not wait to tell somebody else about it? What happened to us? Where did that joy go? Where did that excitement go? Where did that enthusiasm for the Lord go in our lives? Or maybe the great subject we should discuss is responsibility. Way back in the early morning of time, Cain said, Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. Yes, we are. What if we neglect our brother and he dies in his sins? Could I challenge you this morning to begin today to make an effort to win souls? Could today be a new beginning for us individually, collectively, in our service to the Lord? Talk to someone about their soul this coming week. Invite them to come and to worship with us. Better still, offer to pick them up and bring them to worship. It might be an erring brother or an erring sister. It might be someone that's never named the name of Jesus. Talk to them about their soul. Mention Jesus to them. As you leave this building this morning, you're going to find a table in the front foyer in no Ryan. It's not going to have cake or T-bone steaks on it. And you're also going to find a table in the back hallway because I know there's some of you that always leave out this door. I didn't want anybody to be left out this morning. On those tables, you're going to find a blank form. It's titled, Seeking the Lost. It's been over ten years since we put a mailing list together. And in the great computer crash of 2013, we lost it. But we need a new one. You'll find a blank form there to pick up to use for names and addresses. We're also planning on publishing in-house a new type of bulletin. Not one that has the record of our love or the prayer list, but one that has teaching in it. And we'll be mailing that out a few times a year as an outreach. But we need the involvement of every member of this congregation to create a mailing list of people you know, of your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones that we can mail things to. We can mail invitations to. We can mail this bulletin to. Pick that up on your way out this morning. Fill it out and turn it back in. You'll also find on that table a DVD entitled Searching for Truth. Think of someone you know that you want to mention to Jesus. Someone specific. Pick up that DVD and give it to them this week and then pray for them on a daily basis. We need to be like Andrew and be serious about bringing our friends to Jesus. But maybe, just maybe, before you can win someone to Jesus, people need to see Jesus living in you. You need to make sure your heart's right. If you've never named the name of Jesus, if you've never put Him on in baptism, then do that before you leave this building today. And then again, maybe you've done that. 
But you haven't lived God's kind of life. You haven't lived it God's way. And you need to start over. You need to come back home and you need to let brothers and sisters pray with you and pray for you. Then do that. Whatever it takes, make sure you leave this building this morning and your heart is right with Jesus Christ. My part is done. The invitation is that of Jesus Christ. The decision is yours as we stand.